Well, g'day there and welcome to the Oak City Church podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today for another encouraging message from our Sunday gatherings of Oak City Church. If we can connect with you in any way, please see us at oakcitychurch.com.au or check out our socials online. We hope to see you in person soon. Well, good morning, Oak City Church. It is so great to be with you this morning. For those of you that I don't know, or if you're just jumping on briefly, my name is Charlie and I'm one of the co-lead pastors here. And this is actually our last purely online service. We've obviously been in lockdown for about the last four months. And today, the 31st of October, is our last purely online service. And as you've already heard announced, we're going to be back together at PCYC next week. And I just wanted to really, uh, at the start of my message this morning, just encourage everyone for pushing in. I know it's been tough. I know some don't naturally jump online, but it's actually been a really wonderful season together. And I think we've done it really, really well. And as you've joined us as part of this series today, we've been spending a large part of really the last couple of months and even before lockdown, looking at Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, as many of you would have heard about. And all of this has come under this umbrella that we really feel like the theme or the focus for us as a church this year has been around beginning to play our part in the spiritual awakening of Blacktown. And the reason that I love this letter and the reason that we've really had this focus is because it almost feels like Paul could have been writing this letter to us in 2021. And while we've been in lockdown for the last couple of months, I really want to let you know from the bottom of my heart and also on behalf of the elders, we do feel like even as we resume gathering next week, that we are on the precipice of something. It just feels like the Lord has been doing some amazing work in the hidden places and breakthrough is always preceded by God working in the hidden places. And so I just wanted to encourage you as we resume next week, I know some may be feeling nervous, anxious. We would want to make you feel as safe and as comfortable as possible. But I would really just want to encourage you also in in a spiritual sense to lean in. We really feel like um, what has been a tough season, but a proving season, that God is really wanting to break through both into um, us as a, as a people, as a church, but also into the ways that we know that God has called us to impact the city of Blacktown. And so I would just want to say this morning, would you come on that journey? Uh, Particularly as we resume next week, God is at work. And and I would just want to encourage us as a church, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, one of Jesus's greatest rebukes was to have eyes to see and ears to hear what he is doing. And that is our prayer at this time. And where we find ourselves in this series at the moment, as we've just heard read in our visual liturgy, it's been great to have different people reading the scriptures for us as part of this series, is out of chapter 5, verses 15 to 20. And I'm sure you would agree with me that last week just brought us just an incredible message about what Paul called being children of the light. And I know she's my wife, but I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. And if you didn't get around to seeing or hearing that, I would encourage you to jump online and hear it because it will make all the more sense in the light of what I'm about to say. And effectively, she, on behalf of Paul, because Paul, of course, wrote the letter to the church in Ephesus, asked the question, have we fallen asleep? Are we really giving this thing called following Jesus, being apprentices to Jesus, a red hot crack? 
And it reminded us that, that God cares far more about the state of our heart, about actually putting in some effort than even about success. And Jess talked about this idea, would we even dare to fail boldly in order to expose the, the works of darkness all around us? And this morning's passage where I'm focusing on verses 15 to 20 is really all about this overarching theme of living wisely. Now, it's really important to note here that biblical wisdom can never be separated from God, vis-a-vis Jesus, who was the visible image of the invisible God. So wisdom is a deeply relational concept. It's not just intelligence. Uh, It can't just be learnt in a library. Um, And while God is not opposed to these things or opposed to intellect, it cannot even be earned. Dallas Willard, who many of you know that I love greatly, said that God is not opposed to effort, but he is opposed to earning. And so put simply, wisdom is applied knowledge of God. And it has implications upon everything that we do. Our actions, the way that we live, our words, our interactions, our relationships, um, the community that we reside in. It transforms everything that we do. And so that's why a relationship with Jesus is far uh, more than just our beliefs or the way that we see the world. It's actually the linchpin, the heartbeat of everything that we do. It's not a category. It's not a box in our life. It affects everything. And Paul opens up this section of the passage with the phrase, Be careful how you live, not as the unwise people, but as wise Now, as Jess said last week, um, the reason that's so significant is because we aren't just saved from something, but we are saved for something. And Paul in this passage isn't just wanting us to abstain from everything that sounds fun and exciting, but actually to radically fill its place with something else. And that's why ultimately this whole section must be bathed in the Holy Spirit, because you cannot live the Christian life without a dependence on God by his Holy Spirit. That's why Paul's big opener way back in chapter 1 when we looked at it some months ago was about being in Christ. And the whole of his letter is centered around this idea that we are held and sealed by Jesus in by the Holy Spirit. And so in the last couple of months throughout this book that we've seen that wisdom is not sinning when, we, we, when we're angry, choosing forgiveness, imitating Christ, not speaking foolishly and exposing the works of darkness. But in these five verses that we're really focused on this morning, Paul identifies three key elements of the life of wisdom. And the first um, we read of is in verse 16 where it says, make the most of every opportunity. Now, for those who know uh, Jess and I well, you will know that we are absolute tragics when it comes to a movie called About Time, which is our favorite movie by far, British film. And the whole premise of the story is about a man, about a couple that have the ability to go back in time. And what they fundamentally learn, not to, to spoil anything, go and see it. We love it, as I've said. But they learn to juice every single moment Every single day, even the moments that are hard, they recognize the significance of every moment that we have. And it brings about all the feelings for us in the Burke household. We watch it on the 1st of January every year. 
And even in the scriptures, if you were going to the, the Proverbs, to the Psalms, one proverb says, the wise number their days. And that is really so significant for us as followers of Jesus, that we would take advantage of every single moment that we have. Not to try and kill time as we hear, not to try and just get through things, but the scriptures talk about this idea of a Kairos moment. That every moment has the potential for God to break into it. Where eternity and where we are here and now intersect one another. And I think if we're really honest, this season has revealed a lot about the way that many of us choose to spend our time. Uh, for some, the last couple of months have just been beautiful moments of slowing down, taking in the moments, um, turning away from distractions, even finding contentment. And psychologists and, and therapists would talk about this idea of serotonin, that we would actually find extended happiness, not in trying to find the next fix, but actually in contentment. But maybe for others, uh, this past season has actually been quite ugly and revealed a lot about our dependencies upon things. Maybe you have voluntarily sat in front of thousands of hours of streaming and just tried to get through that way or scrolled your way to the next dopamine hit. And, I, and, and please hear me, church, none of this is said in judgment, but I want to say to us this morning that life, that eternity is now in session. Now, I know as, as a dad of young kids, I get a lot of my illustrations from uh, Disney movies, but many of you would have heard or seen the movie Tangled, which is all about this young woman who is just waiting for someone to come along and to rescue her, waiting for her life truly to begin. And I wonder if some of us are just waiting for life to begin without recognizing that every moment is actually getting away from us if we don't take advantage of it. God wants to activate our use of time. And so Paul here is talking about time in two terms. Firstly, your formational discipleship. Ultimately, no one else can take responsibility for your following of Jesus than you. That is something that we all have to wrestle with. Even Judas, who spent three intentional years with Jesus, fell away and made bad decisions. So taking advantage of those moments to actually grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus. But as well as that, actually the opportunities that are all around you. And realizing the fact that God has placed you in your street, in your family, in your workplace, not just so that you can look after yourself, but actually so that you can make a difference. You have the ability to reach people that nobody else can. But I think some of us, if we're honest, would, uh, and, and, and I, I say this in a loving rebuke, we'd actually rather just dig our head deep in the sand. And we say that we're scared. We say we'll come up with a whole range of things that might excuse taking advantage of those moments. Uh, but as uh, a good friend and mentor of mine, Dale Stevenson says, that fear often masks itself as pride. We, we really actually just don't think that it's that worth taking opportunity of whether it be going deeper in our walk with Jesus or share it. Like Jess said last week, we can be having our tea parties while our neighbors may be, um, while their houses may be on fire. That, that is a very challenging thing for each and every one of us to wrestle with. And so N.T. Wright of this passage says, yes, the days are evil. You know, some of Paul's words here are pretty full on, but we as children of the light have something to do about it. 
And so God wants us to use our time well in imitating him, pushing back the darkness, bringing about his kingdom. It is not simply about waving our Willy Wonka ticket, um, whereas some of us would actually just prefer to indulge and to enjoy the world around us. God wants us to do something about it, church. And if you're feeling like you're not equipped, then you're exactly the person that God wants to use. The second big thing we see in this passage is in verse 17. And Paul says that we, if we are wanting to be wise, should learn to understand the will of the Lord. I've heard it said that uh, foolishness is about doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Um, I've heard somebody else saying, you know, I love to throw out different things that other people say. There's nothing new under the sun. But I've heard it said that the most significant day in your life is being born. And the second most significant is working out why. And so as followers of Jesus, the primary thing we should be concerned with is learning to understand the will of God. And when we talk about the will of God, often there's a lot of confusion about that. How does that work? I don't quite understand that as a concept. And to to boil it down and to make it simple for us this morning, there's two parts to the will of God. Firstly, there's the specific. And then secondly, there's the general. And the specific is is very much, God, what are you asking me to do or or us as a family to do? That might be uh, where you're to live, uh, your calling, your vocation, your job, uh, your family, all those sorts of specific things that relate to you. And, And God is always so personal. But I think sometimes we can actually obsess ourselves over these things. And when we come back to the second thing that we can uh, uh, learn about uh, the will of the Lord is the general things that actually apply to every child of, child of God. And they're pretty simple. In fact, they're very simple, a lot harder said than done. But firstly, is to pursue Jesus. That is God's will for your life, that you would pursue Jesus. The second thing is that you would grow in deeper relationship with him. And the third thing is that you would do something about that in the world and advance his kingdom on earth. And so to operate in God's will, we need to do those general things first and foremost. And it's important to be aware here that God is not a God of confusion. And Jesus is the perfect example of what it means to live a life of wisdom and to imitate him. Now, um, that's, that's, like I said, um, obviously easier said than done. And sometimes we can fall into a trap as followers of Jesus to think that's just going to come naturally. No, that is actually going against the grain of the flesh, of the world around us. And there is a time required in honing any craft. Now, in the last couple of years, and with the help of a friend, I've become a very casual golfer. And if you know anything about golf, you'll know that it is very, very difficult. And just when you think you're getting good, you have a shocking day, um, you know, learning the the different uh, tiny idiosyncrasies of playing golf is very challenging. And in immaturity, some of us, when it comes to our following Jesus, can just go, it's not working. It's too hard. I'm not getting out of it what I want out of it. But we have this incredible textbook. We have everything that we need in God's word, by his Holy Spirit, as we imitate Jesus. And knowing God's will will require time and effort. 
You know, God doesn't keep things from us. He's not nasty. Some of us need to revisit our images of God. But trust is the foundation of any relationship. And one of the questions I'd want to ask us this morning is can God trust us? Because when we look at the examples in God's uh, word that are not meant to be exceptions like Moses and Elijah, these people who who could be trusted by God because they showed themselves to be trustworthy. That's why I love Eugene Peterson's definition of discipleship. He said that discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. The third thing that, that Paul brings our attention to when it comes to living a wise life is in verse 18. And he says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The last focus here is that in order to live a life of wisdom, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, again, there can be a lot of confusion about being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, evidence of salvation. I don't really want to dig into that so much today. But to say when we put our trust in Jesus, the scriptures are very clear that we cannot do that without the Holy Spirit being in our heart. And and in fact, when you look at that verse, and again, I don't want to dive in too much of the language here, but the tense that is being used is actually the present continuous tense. So really what Paul is saying in this passage is go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not a one-off thing that happens at conversion or salvation. That is the everyday life of a follower of Jesus. True wisdom comes from empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And in this passage, Paul draws the comparison with being drunk. He says very explicitly, do not get drunk. And maybe that's just a word in season for someone uh, this morning. That's not what God wants for you. God loves a celebration. There is so much feasting and merriment and drinking all throughout the scriptures. But drunkenness is a foolish use of your time. And one of the strategies of the enemies, I believe, in this world in 2021 is simply to normalize or reduce ungodly behaviors. God is looking for a people that are set apart for his purposes. And I say this as one who has gone through a journey and being deeply convicted in the past, coming from a non-believing Irish Catholic family that is well acquainted with drinking. God doesn't want for us to be drunk. But Paul's great statement here is that we wouldn't be controlled by anything. Of course, drunkenness is the example that he uses, but anything except the loving presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, those alternatives can be a whole range of things. They can be anger. They can be passivity. They can be your own self-indulgence and individualism, consumerism, uh, the things that I want except the things that I really trust God with. That can be uh, Netflix. Anything that can take the place of God in my life can be an idol that I give myself to rather than trusting wholeheartedly in Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, as Paul says here, is meant to be our guide as to the life of wisdom. And in fact, the word that is used in the Greek of the Holy Spirit is the word parakletos, which literally means a guide. And in fact, a way that I had it explained to me as a younger follower of Jesus was it's almost like when a big ship comes into the harbour, they can't quite work out how to direct themselves or park themselves. And and the guide that comes along is this little tugboat that guides and instructs where we're to go. We need the Holy Spirit, firstly, to guide us. 
gosh, we need him to guide us. I need him to guide me. But secondly, the Holy Spirit is also God's empowering presence. And it empowers us to live in a way that we could not do left to our devices. I, I hate to tell you, church, it's, it's bad news and good news all at the same time, but you cannot follow Jesus on your own. It is not possible. You are not meant to be able to. This world has been rigged in a way that you cannot live without the Holy Spirit's help and truly follow Jesus. And a way that I had this explained to me was um, uh, I was very fortunate when I was a child to be able to go skiing from time to time. And if you've ever seen a child, a four or five-year-old ski for the first time, it is an absolute disaster. But also the incredible thing about a child being so young is that as a parent or as a ski instructor, you can have them stand between your legs and you can really just hold them up and direct them. And, and even, you know, going down a, 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 an intimidating ski run, something that's a double black diamond, is perfectly achievable with someone who is carrying that person in between their legs, guiding them where they should go. We should not be able to do the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to, to take us down that double black diamond run. And to finish off our time this morning, I would really just want to ask this question. And it's significant as we come out of being purely online as a church and resuming. And I can't wait together next week to be able to outside with all the health regulations being adhered to, but to sing, to share communion, to remind ourselves that this isn't just about getting my own input. It's actually about the embodied people of God being together. But I want to ask us that question. Where do we need to have eyes to see differently? You know, there's this word that Jesus used a lot and he said, repent because the kingdom of God is near. Now, often when we hear the word repent, many of us flinch. We go, oh, I don't like that. Uh, it's a word that maybe we've had drummed into us in all the wrong ways. But repent literally means metanoia. It means change the way that you have been thinking. And as the people of God, we are called to use our time differently. We are called to be a people that realize every moment has the potential for God's invasion, whether it be in my deepening relationship with him or the opportunities that are all around us. Friends, don't count the days, but make the days count. Jesus is inviting us as a church, as individuals, as families to make an impact, to not just sit on our talents, but actually to live lives of wisdom for God and his kingdom. So Jesus, I thank you for everyone that's tuning in today. I thank you for the way that you are meeting them right now. That just as we've read of your Holy Spirit this morning, that your Holy Spirit is all around us, inhabits us and overflows out of us. And I would just want to ask, Lord, that as we realize again that we are invited to use our, our time well, that we uh, realize again that we don't want to be foolish with our time um, and ultimately realize that all of this is impossible without your presence. I would just pray again, come Holy Spirit. Would you put your finger maybe on a point in someone's heart? Would you bring about some level of outcome because your discipleship of us is always obedience driven. We want to be obedient to you, Jesus. And so thank you for this morning. Thank you for the gathered church that has just done so well online for the last four months. And we cannot wait to be back together 
as your church has always been across the globe, in and throughout all time. You, God, are our King. And we want to say again that we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been so great to have you with us today, Oak City Church, and we will see you next Sunday, PCYC Blacktown at 10 a.m. Bless you. Thank you.